0: This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce.
1: Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights. Week nine is in the books. Uh, It was a stinker, stinker week, but that's okay. It was football nonetheless, and it was the last weekend without my uh, second most favorite conference, Pac-12. Also, Maction is back. I mean, it just feels like all is right in the world. Uh, We are already looking forward to week 10, but we've got to recap week 9 before we get into that. Uh, So let me introduce my co-host. I'm Madison, and I'm joined as always by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you?
0: outstanding outstanding uh there are certainly some uh question marks going into this next week uh super excited because it's a you, you've got a good slate of, of games this weekend as opposed to this prior week that being said um here to pick you up because you know I know you were traveling and we're trying to tune in as best you could
1: yeah listen I to had this. a
0: full day on the couch so of
1: course you did this is this is what I get the year 2020 I planned a beach vacation with a couple of friends from work on this weekend, because this was going to be Georgia's bye weekend I was being so smart. I even told them. I was like, listen, we're going to do it for the weekend that it's Georgia's bye weekend I'm not doing it any other weekend. I have to be around for all the Georgia games. Well, then Florida went and got COVID. And so, last weekend, I was had all the time in the world to watch football. This weekend, I had to... Oh, well, not had to. I was on the beach. There's worse places to be. Yeah, exactly. But I didn't see a minute of football live, yeah, at least.
0: Uh, yeah, first world problems, right? I um, mean, I did,
1: didn't did miss much with Georgia. World, uh, Yeah. Uh, like, most boring football game of all time i
0: think widely regarded as the most boring football game of the last like three to four years potentially because you you tuned in because you thought maybe maybe kentucky starting a new quarterback could could you know do some crazy things here or there or maybe georgia lays an egg yada 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 but we'll get into it more i don't want to spoil the beans here but yeah i mean you didn't miss too much it was a good weekend to go off um but yeah you're right i mean you plan things what do we say people that schedule fall weddings are just they should be locked up in prison and 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 literally that's like what locked you plan
1: up you in plan prison. you plan
0: around you know college football weekends that are oh, especially sure. the big ones so um you know you're doing the smart thing obviously in this time uh this era of covid it's it's tough to to schedule things uh in that manner. Just every, it's a revolving door so but excited to get into this week as as crazy as it was and as uneventful as it was there were some fun storylines so excited yeah, to dive into that.
1: I, I, like you said it wasn't a great slate of games but there were a couple shockers, a couple of uh you know even though the Georgia Kentucky game wasn't exciting, it didn't go the way I anticipated it going. So uh there's definitely some things to talk about and unpack here and we're going to just jump right in. Uh from the top let me just say if you're not Following us on social media, go ahead and do that uh, while you're thinking about it. If you need the links, they are in the show notes of this episode. Uh, But we're at Bragging Pod across Twitter and Instagram. That's bragging without the G Bragging Pod. Uh, I've been putting out little videos on Saturday mornings, uh, getting you up to date with five minutes or less, what to watch what to pay attention to and why you should care about this slate of games. Uh, and this next week, it's going to be super important because there's a, there's one particular game that I'm ready to to get into and unpack. But uh, follow us there. Uh, we're doing tweeting games and things like that, hot takes over on Twitter. Uh, and if you're not subscribed, go ahead and subscribe. Share this with a friend. We really appreciate the support. Just wanted to get that out of the way at the top. And now we jump into our Week 9 recap. and We start, as always, with our good, our bads, and our downright uglies. Pierce, my good is the Texas A&M playoff chances. A few weeks ago, we were sitting here and we were like, oh, you know, Texas A&M, this really stinks. The whole scheduling changes of 2020, they would have had a really good season and all is lost. Well, heck no, it's not lost. Jimbo Fisher's really good against non-top-10 teams. And they don't have another top-ten team coming up. I mean, they, they've they played the slate of their games that's going to be tough. Uh, you know, I guess the only they, – they could be due for maybe a, a potential upset or, or a slighter spot, but if if they were going to lose another game, it would have already happened. And, they, of course, they lost to Alabama, but there's a chance here. If they win out – Alabama and put in Florida or put in Georgia into play or to into the SEC championship. And you just go ahead and assume that Bama beats one of those two. I mean, Texas A&M's in, you don't have another person out of the big 10, Ohio States, go ahead and punch Ohio state, uh, uh, Alabama, Alabama's punched their ticket already. Pac-12, sorry, you're, you're irrelevant. You're out. You haven't even started playing football yet, and you don't have enough time. Uh, Big 12 out. They've lost now uh, with Oklahoma State going down. And then you've got the ACC. You could potentially get two people. You could potentially get Clemson and Notre Dame. But that assumes that they split the series. I don't know if you see that. So if they don't split the series, Pierce, and Georgia doesn't upset Alabama, or Florida doesn't upset Alabama, which is that's a lot of a perfect storm for them, I, I, I think Texas A&M is in, in the playoffs.
0: It's funny. I, I will say... I, I... I was coming into this week uh coming into this podcast thinking, you know, what what's going to be an overreaction here? Um, you know, no need for a fourth contender in the playoff series. Yada yada yada. And then you brought up you brought up a great point. I mean, seriously, that's an incredible point. I, if everything holds true, I don't think Notre Dame has a chance to beat Clemson even though they might play them twice. Same thing goes for Georgia now. I, I'm I'm convinced more and more as the coming as the weeks progress uh, with this Georgia Bulldogs team. I don't think they can beat Alabama.
1: You've got Wisconsin A&M with COVID they might
0: luck out and somehow even though they lost, they they may look at it and go the, the committee may look at it and go, well why not give this A&M team A team a shot? You know, they weren't playing well early in the year. They went on the road. Alabama had fans first time really they played in front of fans, albeit you know whatever it was eighteen thousand. They lost, but they showed some things, you know, and and why not give them another chance? So that that is a really good, uh really good uh, winner this week. It's funny to say that too, because you know Arkansas did backdoor cover on them. My winner of the week, uh, my good definitely goes to Clemson. Um, when you have a when you have a quarterback come in and the D- DJ and I got to slow down when I say this because when I say it fast, I I, I struggle. Uyongalele.
1: Where are you getting it in from?
0: Well, and that's what's so funny because you know how I like to over enunciate my words. Is that the right word? Or right? Yeah, right?
1: over enunciate.
0: Yeah, I kept saying to "mom" this past weekend while I was sitting watching football. Where the hell's the "in" coming from? It makes no sense, but it's Ui angalele."
1: So, okay, here's my question: Is he it's crazy? Is he Hawaiian?
0: I don't know his origins. Because He's from California. Tunga
1: doesn't have a, it. Doesn't it's it's TIA or whatever. Tunga. Yeah, it's yeah. There's no "n" in there. Tauga.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think it might be the U I A. Okay, well, which provi- gives you an "n," which is funny because you know the the Hawaiian Learning things over here. People, they, you, you can usually just enunciate those those you know as is, and that's what it comes out to be, which isn't usually the case with with words or well, with now names. you're
1: mixing it up. pronounced, not enunciate. Oh, I'm sorry. pronounced.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop before I get myself into a pretzel here, but yeah, U I ungalele and. Okay. The fact that they were able to come in, and when they got down big at, at, you know, what was it, 28-7, you went, well, with Lawrence, a comeback makes sense. But without Lawrence, I don't know. And the fact that they were able to come back, and, and quite frankly, despite the win, look pretty good doing it, is, uh, is a scary thing. So my good of the week uh, definitely goes to the, uh, to the Clemson Tigers um, in their comeback effort.
1: All right, my bad performance of the week, Pierce. Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. They were a 20-point favorite against in-state rival Michigan State. Michigan State just lost to Rutgers. We're sitting here going, oh, this is going to be terrible. Mel Tucker, oh, gosh, what a bad hire. Not really, but overreactions would have said that. Harbaugh is 1-4 in four in bowl games. Never made the college football playoff, but that's not saying much. A lot of teams haven't done that, but when you you think you've hired the guy, he's supposed to be at least knocking on the door of the playoffs. He hasn't made the Big Ten Championship game. He's 0-5 against Ohio State, and he's 3-3 against Michigan State. That's pathetic. In a year where you're supposed to have your best quarterback you could potentially have, and we'll get into it as the game, or as we get to that game, I don't want to talk too much about it. But what a bad, 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 bad performance. And if you're a Michigan fan, I don't know how you can justify this hire anymore. Uh, it's not even like he wins all the games except for Ohio State. I mean, he he's not getting it done from top to bottom. It, 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 it's kind of like with Georgia fans. If you lost every game and beat Florida, we'd probably be okay, not okay. We'd get rid of you. But, you know, we'd be sitting there going, well, but at least he's beating Florida. Harbaugh's not even getting it done against Ohio State, and now not Michigan State either, and that's, that's pretty pathetic. So bad performance from the Wolverines overall, and, and specifically Harbaugh.
0: Love it. Love it a lot. Uh, this is uh, – I wish we'd maybe let off with my bad performance of the week because it would maybe justify your your bad performance of the week. You look at Minnesota. That is my bad performance of the week. There was a lot of question marks uh, coming in. You know, they had some coordinator changes. They had uh, some personnel changes, some people opting out. Um, and then you looked at them and they, and they got beat fairly easily by Michigan. And then there were some some question marks on – well, did Michigan uh, was that a big win for them? Was that a good win for them, or is that this just a bad Minnesota team? Well, quite frankly, you know, if you took anything away from the Friday night game with Minnesota uh, losing to Maryland, yeah, you, you probably could have expected a, a, this poor outing from Michigan uh, against their rivals, uh, Michigan State. Minnesota just is really struggling on on defense. They. Gave up nearly 400 yards uh, passing. They gave up over 250 yards rushing. That's a that's a terrible recipe to win. Um, you're just not going to win many ball games that way. They're they're struggling to get much through the air. Um, yes, their one bright spot uh, is Ibrahim uh, went for 207 yards rushing on 41 carries. Still only five average. That's that's great, but if that's the only thing cooking for you, you get behind and you're 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 in deep trouble here, and that's what happened. Um, and, and, and someone in uh, Talia Tagovaila who can throw. So my bad is definitely the Minnesota Golden Gophers.
1: Finally, my ugly of the week, Pierce, the LSU Tigers. Good Lord. I, you know, it was kind of cute when they first lost to Mississippi State. It was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? But it's clear that whatever they had last year was just nothing less than lightning in a bottle. And yeah, they were going to have a lot of rebuilding to do. But this is this is next level, and I'm a little bit worried about the next five years of LSU football, especially with, you know, I, I, you think to yourself, gosh, Coach O really dialed it in. He's got good players. He went and got the right coordinators, and now he goes and he hires Bo pellini who was now a terrible coordinator. So maybe it wasn't quite him being smart and maybe him just kind of lucking into it. I, I don't really know what to make of it, Pierce, but the LSU Tigers – They've got a dark couple years of football coming up. It's it's not just a, oh it's just a rebuilding year because we've got to reload. No, I, I don't see much of any bright spots. I mean, I, I don't. I just don't. I can't put to pull, push to one thing and say yeah, but they at least have this guy. Uh, it's it's from top to bottom, not not great for LSU, and they don't have like I said the coaching uh, to to coach up talent because you can you see that happen. You can hear people who's called quarterback whispers or you know whatever they can develop talent. It's, they don't have the dudes, and, and uh, the, the dudes that they might have gotten in recruiting classes are young, and, and the coordinators, I don't believe, are up to snuff to, to get it done in an SEC West that the gap is widening with every passing second between Alabama and the others. So LSU, really ride the championship high that you got last year because you're not going to get one for a while.
0: My, uh, my ugly of the week is definitely the UF-Missouri game as a whole um and that doesn't necessarily encompass the game it's also the uh, pre and post game pressers um the fight at halftime was a, it was unbelievably bad I, I and i say this not as a rival of florida um you know it's just not a good look when your coach is running out there acting like a uh, acting like a a psycho idiot a psycho like he's a mass murderer and he just is pushing refs around and that should have gotten him kicked out or suspended in the first in in the first place and then he instigates a fight and it's just a melee on the field you know he got players suspended from either side and then you know the disgrace that he what he was trying to attack Eli Drink, which I I mean it was a terrible look and then he came back out and pumped
1: with the fans yeah
0: now now listen what else did he have to do there I, I don't I don't necessarily get mad at him for that because he looked like an ass. What else are you going to do? That's kind of a uh, a, a WWE wrestling type of scenario where you just got to try and get something out of it if you can. But I think the most absurd thing that was the most ugly thing of this whole scenario was the fact that he came out in a... Darth Vader costume, Darth Vader, get it right, game And looked like it wasn't even like a great costume. It it was like form fitting to his head from his from the uh, the mask. Like it just it wasn't like a legit plastic. It, it was just a really bad overlook overall. And, and I think you look at it and go, "Man, is he all right? Do, do people need to check on him?" And I think his true colors are starting to come out. And you know. Uh, say what you will about Mullen, but this is a this is a I don't know if it's ugly or it's just flat out strange, but it, either way, it, it it coincides.
1: This is the same dude that we saw. We can, you know you see videos of him with Felipe Franks dancing on the sidelines, trying to get Felipe to loosen up, and he you know seems so fun loving. His wife kisses all the players on the mouth. You think, oh, this is fun loving dude, and now all of a sudden he's turned into the absolute heel of college football. So I mm, wow,
0: he's a weird guy. He's oh a weird guy. Let's just F- leave it at that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll be interested to see uh, what he can stir up next week versus Georgia. Well, that's going to do it for our good and our bads and our uglies. And now it is time to turn our attention to the games. I was telling Pierce before we started, normally we just go through and talk about the games we previewed. But some of the most interesting storylines of this past week were in games we didn't cover. So because I don't have much to add because I didn't get to watch a lot of these games, I'm just kind of going to let him Go. I'm gonna set him up and let him kind of talk about the games as if, uh, you know, as if he's explaining to me who didn't get to watch the games. Uh, you know what happened and what am I, what am I seeing here with the box score? So uh, let's just jump right in, Pierce. The first game was on Friday night. It was the Minnesota Golden Gophers and the Maryland Terrapins. Minnesota off to a really ugly start. I was really high on PJ Fleck and company. They are now 0-2. They lost that game 45 to 44. When I'm looking at the box score here, Pierce. Uh, you know, Minnesota t- controlled time of possession. Not good through the air necessarily, though they were effective when they did try to throw. Uh, but but it looks like Tonga Viloa just went off. Baby Tonga Viloa looks like he just went off for the Terrapins. So, kind of help me out here, Pierce. I did see a couple of turnovers. Help me out here. What what happened in this game? Uh, and and what is happening with Minnesota? Are they just that bad, or were we just mistaken with what Maryland is?
0: Well, and we hit on I hit on this in the good uh, portion uh, earlier in the in the show, so go back and listen to that if uh, you need a little bit of a refresher. You know, it was it was an odd game. Um, Minnesota got out and uh, you know did what they wanted to do. Ibrahim uh, Ibrahim at, at the running back position had a great game, but where we knew this team struggled for the Golden Gophers was on defense, and and that's obviously what that they were up they had the chance to just choke this to the life out of this team and they just didn't and they were giving up yards here and there to uh, Talia and and company and when you when you allow 400 yards, nearly 400 yards of passing offense and then over 200 yards rushing to one single guy you're going to give up many points now it was interesting cuz they let them come back they did have a chance to win this game so you look at it and go, man. As a Gophers fan, this 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 really sucks. But, um, you know, this defense is just not very good. And and when they're going to give up, they're going to give up performances like this frequently. And and that's a struggle because they don't have a dynamic offense, having replaced a lot of guys and having new coordinators in there. So it's going to be a struggle for Minnesota going forward. Uh, kudos to to Maryland to get some some good mojo going, but. Not surprised that they uh, they gave up this late lead.
1: All right. The next game, piers the Boston College Eagles and the number one Clemson Tigers. Clemson without Trevor Lawrence. Of course, he is out next week as well when they play at Notre Dame due to the coronavirus. But you've already kind of previewed it. Not looking like it's going to be an issue. The backup, DJ Ungalele. Did I say it right? Did I get it right? Uwee. Uyunglele.
0: Uyunglele.
1: That's a lot of owls. Uh, he looks pretty good. Pretty good. I'm surprised if I'm looking at the box score again, not watching much of this game uh, due to me being on the beach. Uh, I hate to brag to all the people out there. Uh, They didn't go to, to Et- or Etienne, rather, didn't have that big of a game, which I would have thought you would have, uh, you know, really made him your bell cow without Lawrence. But I, like I said, they don't look like they need it. Uh, they did uh it was a little bit of a scare at first, but they were able to rally. They win this game 34 to 28. Uh really, really, really interested to see next week when they go to South Bend, uh, talk to me about this one. What'd you see? What'd you like?
0: Uh, liked a lot, liked a lot from both teams. Uh, I've been calling them Jerkovic for a while. Let's see if I can get this right. Jerkovic. There you go. Um, I've been high on this team for, for the, since the beginning of the season, I, Brought back some talent on the O line. Our uh, Jerkovic is obviously a, a talented quarterback. Kind of reminds me of a mini, uh, of a little bit of a Big Ben. Is is tough to bring down and just kind of finds ways to get the ball off and is very efficient. I think Etienne to your to your point, Etienne didn't get as many carries. He, he, I mean, he got a good bit, but didn't dominate as much as he could because when you bring a new quarterback in, you go, "What's the one thing we want to stop?" We know this team is very talented. Let's stop their running back and make this quarterback beat us. They got down so quickly and by so much, they really couldn't run the ball that much just because they'd run the clock out. Uh, you look at Etienne; he got over 140 yards receiving, um, so he made up for it there. I loved what this team, uh, this Clemson team, did. This certainly felt like the week that if they were going to lose, they were going to lose this week, and uh, they came back with a with a backup quarterback, and that's uh, it's super. Impressive and also alarming, um, if you're an opposing uh, opposing fan for another school that's vying for the national championship, because Clemson just looked good and and it's scary because they got down so quickly. It's this was the game they were going to lose, so I fully expect Clemson to uh, to to be there at the very end.
1: All righty, Mississippi State Bulldogs zero, the number two Alabama Crimson tied forty one. Big fat goose egg for Mike Leach and company, and it's just the way that's been going for the Bulldogs. Uh, obviously, with Kylan Hill opting out, not that he was getting a ton of touches, uh, you know, the hits just keep coming for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Uh, Alabama looked good, uh, forced three turnovers. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say. They almost put up 500 yards. Uh, Mac Jones looks incredible. He's now become the front runner for the Heisman. Najee Harris was efficient, uh, you know, no Jalen Waddle, but it didn't look like it really mattered. They had, uh, they didn't just, just roll the next guy in. I mean, it's just, there's not much to say about this one other than it's, it's about what we thought would happen.
0: Yeah. And, and this was one of those games you hit the nail on the head. Uh, you were, you were looking to see how they fared without Jalen Waddle and they, they didn't skip a beat. They didn't miss a beat at all. Um, I'm interested to see how they play against a team with a, a solid defense against a team that maybe can put up more points and hang with them offensively. That being said, uh, Devontae Smith stepped up in a big way. I think he might even be the better, I'm not going to say more talented receiver on this Alabama team from this past year or two, but for whatever reason, he just is so productive. He runs great routes, and he's definitely unheralded in this Alabama offense, and I think will go down as... One of the key pieces for the last three or four years, he he has been a stalwart in this offense. Not surprised to see Mississippi State struggle. Um, was hoping they'd put up ten points, but yeah, when Mac Jones doesn't have to do too much and it just looks effortless, it's uh it's a dangerous sight for the uh for the opposing team. So Alabama obviously came out and took care of business and uh, walked to a to a large victory here.
1: A another dominant win. And uh was the oh sorry, number another dominant win, the number three Ohio State Buckeyes 38, the number 18 Penn State Nittany Lions falling to 0 and 2. They only put up 25 points in that game. Uh weren't able to have the traditional white out, which I love. One of the coolest atmospheres in college football. Uh I don't think it would have made much of a difference because I just think Ohio State is that good. Uh Justin Fields put up over 318 yards, for touchdowns through the air. Uh, run game looked good as well. It, you know, Penn State had a lot of opt outs, a lot of injuries, a lot of trans- they're not transfers, but um, they were they were going to be lacking a little bit. And when Sean Clifford's really the only piece of your offense, he's not going to be able to carry it much. Uh, you know, still, I mean, I guess there's a little bit of glimmer of hope. You you kind of got your your number one rival out of the way, and I don't think you're really going to have much of an issue with Michigan. Uh, you know, they got Maryland next week. Then Nebraska, those could easily be two wins. Iowa could be a win as well, but those could easily be three losses as well. So Penn State, you're going to have to turn it around here, Bubs. You you probably should have won IU, but you didn't. And you knew you probably were going to lose Ohio State, though you maybe had a glimmer of hope, and now you're on the 0-2 season already. Uh, and, and things are starting to get a little bit desperate in Happy Valley.
0: Yeah, not taking anything away from the Big Ten, but I think this, uh, this, this showed that outside of Ohio State, there just isn't much... Going in the way of the Big Ten, you thought Penn State was going to be the team to compete against Ohio State. Maybe a Wisconsin or a or a Michigan could step up. Now, obviously, uh, Wisconsin undergoing the COVID protocols that obviously hurts. That being said, it, this felt like a, a a cat toying with its food, just playing with its food, just. Just let them stick around. Let them stick around. Let them hang around, and then just you know, going for the uh, going for the juggler there. Fields and company. This team is very talented. I'll say though, they did give up enough through the ground, not necessarily on the ground uh, rushing wise, but they allowed some things here or there to uh, to make you question. But I think this Ohio State team, there are no question marks on it whether they'll win the Big Ten. They have all the all the markings of uh, a national championship team. So got some uh, powerhouses to go through. But, yeah, it just felt like someone – it felt like a, an animal playing with their food here. This was uh, a no-doubter.
1: The number 4 Notre Dame Fighting Irish 31, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets 13. Not really sure why I'm previewing this except for the fact that I just want to highlight what went well for Notre Dame because this is going to be a marquee matchup next week. Uh, you know, you didn't really expect Georgia Tech to put much up, much of a fight. But again, I just want you to kind of talk me through, Ohio- or Notre Dame and why they might be able to pull off an upset next week versus Clemson, uh, or whether they're not going to. I just want to kind of want to hear that
0: because they 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 have great line of scrimmage play, and that is the key in these games. It always will be the key. I mean, and that's why I, I hit on the Georgia Alabama game it was very interesting two weeks ago. I didn't feel like we got beat on the line of scrimmage from a Georgia perspective. It was through the air, and I've never felt like two wide receivers were the reason we lost. And that was the case. So, so yes, Notre Dame has a very good chance here because they play good defense. They've got talented players. They, they've got great line, line of scrimmage play. It's can they keep up offensively with Clemson. Can they score enough points to beat a Clemson? I don't know if that's the case. You know, I told you I was uh, I was ready to jump off the bandwagon two weeks ago. I have since still righted with Notre Dame uh, from uh, uh, picking against the spread because I just felt they were due. It's a it's a tall tall ask for them this week. I know some people are are high on them. I've been high on them. But I just don't know. I, I don't know. They've got to control the 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 clock. They've got to be very methodical. And then they've got to play absolutely a plus ball on defense. So that that's the only way that they can beat this Clemson Tigers team.
1: The number five George Bulldogs heading up to Lexington to take on the Kentucky Wildcats fourteen to three in what was dubbed probably one of the most boring football games of all time. And Pierce, what I really want to, want from you is talk me off a ledge here. I'm nervous going into Florida next week, and we don't need to get into whether or not we're going to win, but just talk me off a ledge that it's going to be okay. A lot of people dinged up on defense. Stetson didn't look amazing. Uh, run game looked good. I mean, that's what you have to do against Kentucky is just run. And we did that. We certainly did that. Um, but, oof, I'm I'm real nervous. So just talk me off a ledge here, Pierce, if you can.
0: Boy, that's uh, that's tough to do um, at this point in the season, but there there is a way, and and the way is you look at Florida the last three, four years when they've, they've struggled against this Georgia team, and what have they done poorly? They failed to run the ball. I don't see this team coming out and absolutely dominating on line scrimmage and, and running the ball down Georgia's throat, and that's going to put a lot of pressure on this this Florida pass offense. Now, The scary thing is I think this Florida pass offense can sustain that, can sustain that pressure, can throw for, you know, 250, 350 yards. But it's always tough in the SEC to come out and dominate on the ground and and, or not dominate on the ground and win against a a comparable SEC foe. So that's the way you're going to do it. I think you, you, you make Trask make those big-time throws, and and if he misses a couple, then you've got a good chance. So um, I think it's going to be a race to see who can get to 28, 31 points, and uh, it could even be lower than that. And and with Georgia's ability on defense, despite some of their injuries, I know it's tough. They should be able to hold them to – to. I mean, this is the best defense that, best defense that Florida has played thus far, so – You know, they're they're in for a trick, uh, a little trick here, uh, here, there. And I think they'll see some new things. So um, this game is a toss up. This game's uh, more interesting than the prior four years.
1: All right. It's time to hear or or attend rather the funeral of the Big 12 playoff chances because the Texas Longhorns took down the only undefeated Big 12 team left. Texas Longhorns, 41, number six, Oklahoma State Cowboys 34. Name of the game here from just looking at it, uh, the box score. Five turnovers for the Pokes. They did put up 530 yards of offense, but if you're turning the ball over that much, it's going to catch up to you eventually. So uh, not great. Chuba Hubbard looked like he struggled a bit as well. Spencer Sanders did put up 400 yards of offense, Pierce, and four touchdowns, um, but one interception. So it does look like four of those were accounted for fumbles, if I'm here- seeing that correctly. That's crazy. Crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. For for a guy who was supposed to be one of the best backs in the nation, like I said, Texas Longhorns probably that's gonna kill it for the Big Twelve playoff chances. Uh, but but maybe a little bit of Texas back, maybe no, uh... not quite. Can't, can't can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Uh, just talk to me about this one because uh, you're you're Big Twelve guy. So just talk to me about this one.
0: Yeah, this was one where um, you know we previewed it last week, and we I I told everybody this was a game that. Texas ought to win. They ought to at least cover the number. And there's no sense in them not winning this game. When you look at the box score, though, no reason for Oklahoma State to lose. I mean, unbelievable. Over 400 yards, I believe, of passing offense. You know, they ran the ball. But it was, you hit the nail on the head. It was the fumbles. It was the costly turnovers. And more so, the timely turnovers. And Texas just taking advantage of what they were given. Short field position. Um... Also returning a kickoff for a touchdown. What it came down to was a little bit of uh, poor clock management. Oklahoma State allowing Texas to just have a few too many possessions. And that was the difference. Oklahoma State should have won this game. I think, quite frankly, they deserved to win this game. But they just struggled to to do the little things necessary for a big-time team to get over the hump against one of their rivals.
1: The Arkansas Razorbacks and the Texas A&M Aggies, the number eight Texas A&M Aggies. Uh, A&M wins that game 42-31. to Arkansas does backdoor cover, so sorry to all you gamblers out there that might have had the Aggies in this one. Uh, like I already said, my good, my bad, my ugly. Texas A&M finds themselves in a position now, Pierce, where to end the season, they, go, they do go to South Carolina next week. That could potentially be a trap game. Uh, they do have Tennessee, but Tennessee is not impressing me. Ole Miss – uh, which Ole Miss has zero defense, so I think that they'll be able to put up some points. LSU, who looks terrible, and they do end the season with Auburn. So I-, I think that there's a chance there's a world where Texas A&M, uh, you know, finds himself at least heavily in playoff talk. Um, but I mean, it's it's kind of crazy to think that after the beginning of the season, what we saw there. Uh, but if I'm just looking really quickly at the box score, I mean. It looks pretty, pretty evenly matched, uh. But you know, ultimately Texas A&M is able to uh to, to just really handle the business there. Um, controlled time of possession it looks like, which is the biggest thing. But yeah, just talk to me about this one uh, and the Texas A&M Aggies.
0: Yeah, time of possession was the key here. Uh, another major factor was uh, Catalan at the back end of this Razorbacks defense. Uh, missing him uh throughout most of this game was it a, was a huge factor uh you just could tell this defense was struggling a little bit on the back end and yeah it came down to both offenses uh, offenses uh moved the ball well and and did some nice things but it came and 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 not neither of them really made many mistakes it just came down to who was going to make a play on defense and you know, don't let the box score also uh make you think this was a close game. A and M dominated this game. Yeah, the
1: score would, would they be shrugged, they, the they they
0: they dominated early in the game, especially on defense and Arkansas got things going late um to make it look respectable, but A and M won this game. It was a crazy comeback, obviously, uh knowing where I where I lie or lay. Um you know, I was happy for that backdoor comeback. But that being said, A and M definitely won this game and Um, quite frankly, Arkansas shouldn't have been close.
1: All righty. The Missouri Tigers 17, the number 10 Florida Gators 41. You already heard us preview how weird this game was, how just weird and bizarre it was. Um, I don't, I don't even know. I did see that all over Twitter, obviously sitting on the beach. I was like, what is happening with the Florida Gators? Uh, I, I, they've become a caricature of themselves, a caricature of of a program, but what's not a caricature is Kyle Trask, he is uh, next level good for them. Uh, he put up 345 yards through the air, four touchdowns. He did have an interception, a little bit concerning to me. Pierce that I'm seeing right now. He was their leading rusher. Um, I thought Kadarius Tony, supposedly what I was listening or hearing, he had a pretty good game. So you'll have to explain that one to me. But the Kyle Trask, the Kyle Pitt situation is just really good. Uh, Missouri, to their credit, uh, you know they just, just weren't able to get anything going versus this Florida game for this Florida team. And you kind of just have to be able to outscore them, I think. It's just they're just one of those teams that they're just going to be able to put up points at will, and you just have to be able to outscore them. And Missouri does not have the pieces in place to do so. So ultimately, it was all Florida uh, the entire time. But explain to me here, Pierce, what I'm seeing with the uh, Florida offense, uh, both with the rushing situation and then just what you liked from Florida. Uh, And and maybe you can kind of uh, convince me that maybe Georgia has a shot or, or not.
0: Well, I, I told you the the number one way that Georgia would beat this Florida team is to keep them from gaining yards on the ground, and that they continually show that they struggle in that regard. I mean, you said it; Trask had the the most rushing yards on the team. I'm looking at it, and yeah, 47 yards on six carries. Now he is a big dude, so if you do choose to run him straight up the middle, you know he'll run over some guys and gain a couple extra yards. That being said. You know, they, they, they had some timely turnovers against Missouri and, and just moved the ball well through the air. You knew Missouri would give up yards uh, on defense against this Florida team, but I thought they'd be able to hang with them offensively, and, and, and that just wasn't the case. Uh, due to their untimely turnovers, and Florida's just taking advantage through the air. Um, you know, this was this was a blowout. They gained some momentum, obviously, through that fight and that Dan, Dan Mullen could unbelievably nasty. It just looked gross in my opinion, but it worked. It was a great galvanizing moment for them going into half. This team got fired up. They knew they couldn't let their coach down. And that's what he was looking for. And he was looking for that going into this uh, game this week with Georgia, Georgia and, and in Jacksonville, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And you know, going back. It's just, you know, Hey, you do what you got to do. If you're damn on nothing that he's done prior to this has worked. So do what you got to do, but this was a game where they just came out and kind of exerted their will. But I don't know if this can sustain itself moving forward. It's, it'll be interesting. This is the ultimate test uh, going into uh, into Jacksonville.
1: The Michigan State Spartans twenty-seven, the number thirteen Michigan Wolverines twenty-four. We've already really talked about it at the top here, but I'm just gonna. So I'm just gonna let you jump in. I've kind of already given my thoughts on the whole situation for the Wolverines, but it's not. It's not great. Not great. Uh, you know. You, you've got what you think is supposed to be a dude. Now, granted, you he was going into this year not necessarily the guy, but everybody was touting him as you know. Oh, he looks great. First week, he looks great. Everything looks amazing. You know, hey, maybe Michigan finally has a chance here. But Michigan State uh, absolutely shocks the world here uh, and, and wins this game. And the uh, their heated rivals, twenty-seven to twenty-four. Like I already said, just I mean, I I'm flabbergasted. I'm really flabbergasted. Talk to me about this one.
0: So I'll keep this one simple. Hungry dog runs faster, and Michigan State was that they were drawing a lot of criticism coming off that loss to Rutgers. Obviously, a lot of things went wrong for them that that week. But you also knew that Michigan, there was a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a false narrative going on with them in their win against Minnesota. You know, was Minnesota truly that team that was supposed to compete for the Big Ten? Like some some. Some pundits might have thought, pundits might have thought. That being said, uh, you look at it, Milton still had a good game, but what did Michigan fail to do? You look at Michigan, they failed to have a good quarterback over the last five, six years, seven years under Harbaugh. Their identity is running the football. Running the football and playing well on the line of scrimmage. If they can't do that, they have no chance. If they can do that, they have a chance against most teams outside of, I'd say, Ohio State. They threw the ball 51 times, 51, 51 against a team in Michigan state who, in my opinion, has no threats of, of being a prolific passing team. That's unacceptable. They need to go back to the drawing board. They need to just continue to feed their runners, run Milton a little bit more. Obviously Haskins needs to get the ball far more than just eight times. He needs to get 20 at least. You got to stick to that. You got to know your personnel. You got to stick to your game plan. Michigan got away from that this week, and uh, kudos to Michigan State for, for uh, for wanting this game more than Michigan. It was very evident from uh, from watching it. The eyeball test, they they passed that, and um, you know Michigan's got to pick things up. They got to turn things around here. They got to get back to their identity. And there's no, I think they can. I think they can. I, I I wouldn't say Ohio State's obviously out of the question, but they could they could run the table outside of that.
1: The number 15 North Carolina Tar Heels and the Virginia Cavaliers. Virginia won that one 44 to 40, or 44 to 41. Um, I'm looking at the box score here, Pierce, and uh, Sam Howell almost put up 500 yards of offense. Did have a couple of turnovers, though they looked like they didn't come from him. They looked like they were on fumbles. Uh, and it looks to me, Pierce, like the biggest difference here was the fact that Virginia controlled the time of possession which in a close game is going to be the answer. You wanted to put as your overreaction something about Mac Brown. So talk to me about this one and why Mac Brown's not the guy to get it done in Chapel Hill.
0: Yeah, I'm just worried about uh, this team moving forward. This was, you know, you look at the second year of head coaches and I know Mac Brown's an outlier here because he's won it elsewhere. He's won at Texas uh, and he had a long career there in Austin. That being said, when you got a quarterback like Sam Howell, you expect to, uh, even if you think it might be not be the best team you'd ever have overall, he can elevate you to a higher standard. That's not happening. That is just not happening. This defense is abs. This defense might be as bad as Ole Miss. I'm gonna go ahead and put that out there. This defense is awful, awful for for a team that has. Sam Howell, who's putting up 300-plus yards of passing offense, it seems like, every week. Two running backs who very well could be up there in the the top 10 rushing leaders at the end of the year. And you can't beat a team in Virginia? You already lost to FSU. This team is a joke. I'm going to have trouble even looking at them the rest of the year. That's how pathetic I think they are because they have the talent on the offense Mac Brown needs to go out and figure something out from him. Let me put it this way. Mac Brown's gotten a good recruiting class coming in this year. I'd expect to lose a couple of those big-time recruits that aren't locked in already because you just, you got to figure something else out, and some of these coordinators are going to be gone because giving up 44 to Virginia after they lost, maybe their best player in in the history of their program, and Bryce Perkins, that ain't going to cut it.
1: The number 16, Kansas State Wildcats, 10, the West Virginia Mountaineers, 37. Absolutely dominant performance by West Virginia just based on the box score. Uh, Almost 500 yards of total offense for the Mountaineers. They held Kansas State to just 225 yards. Three turnovers for the Wildcats as well. Like I said, they lead all of the stats here. The West Virginia Mountaineers do Uh, pretty impressive. They held Kansas State to just 41 yards of rushing. I mean... Like I said, just pretty dominant performance. This will be a pretty big flyby here. But uh, really quickly, if you would, just give your thoughts on this one.
0: <laughs> I was going to say this is a flyby because I predicted this one to a T. I said both defenses are are fairly uh, – they're they're good defenses. West Virginia is certainly a little bit better in my opinion. And it came down to which offense could score more than 24 to 28 points, and that was Jarrett Dakey. Threw for over 300 yards. They had a 100-yard rusher. And their defense obviously shut down Kansas State. You knew Kansas State was going to have to keep this to a 21-point game to have a chance. They weren't able to do that, and obviously uh, the outcome is is expected.
1: The number 17 Indiana Hoosiers, 37. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights, 21. Both of these teams were coming into this game with shocking wins. And it was just a question of who's for real and who is the faker. And I think we leave this one going. I don't know if there is necessarily a faker. I think these are just two teams that are going to take advantage of the fact that it's 2020. I do think that Rutgers is on the rise, which is early, really early to say that. But it's just based off what I've seen so far, uh, I, I don't think there's anything to scoff at this year. I don't think Indiana is necessarily some dominant force. It's not like you should be like overreacting to this uh, necessarily. Indiana did dominate uh, at the end of the day. Three turnovers for the Scarlet Knights. Um, and neither of them were prolific on offense either, but it's just one of those things where I think these two teams can potentially shock a couple, uh, couple games in a big 10 where it looks like it's Ohio state and then a bunch of other people who are trying to play football. So, uh, ultimately good for the Hoosiers. Like I said already, uh, three turnovers for the Rutgers, Scarlet Knights, but I don't think that that's necessarily something to be like, well, they're terrible. They, they look decent enough that I think Greg Shiano is going to be able to shock the world a couple times, potentially this season.
0: Agreed, agreed, a hundred percent. I think Indiana Indiana came out and executed their game plan a little bit more than they would have expected in in their previous game and against uh, against Penn State. I think they were able to come out. And they they know they're not going to just light the world on fire offensively. They like uh they like Phoenix. They like they like a lot of their players on offense, but they know they're not not going to come out and throw for three hundred fifty yards uh through the air, and they're not going to come out and run for two hundred yards on off on on the ground. So. They got to come out and they got to con- control the the clock and play good defense and play to their personnel and they came out and did that and and Rutgers did put up a fight and I think it, I agree with you this Rutgers team is gonna upset some guys this year, but I was excited and happy to see Indiana. I I'm not as sold on in Indiana after week one against Penn State as maybe some people are because I just don't think they showed much as much as I would have hoped for on offense. Controversial
1: win as well.
0: Yeah, but that yeah exactly. And that being but that being said, I this was a game where I could have seen them come out and and really struggle, and they came out and just executed their game plan to a T. And and they move on and excited to see uh, excited to see if they can get some of that mojo for some of these big games because you never know in the Big Ten especially in some of these conferences you need that one team that one team with that magic to to at least spark an upset or two or at least contend for that upset, just to make things interesting.
1: The TCU Horn Frogs, 33, the Baylor Bears, 23. Uh, this one looks like a pretty easy win for the TCU Horn Frogs, despite what I'm seeing here with the score. <laughs> um, both teams did have a, a, a turnover, rather, uh, but 400 yards of offense for the Frogs. They hold Baylor to just 278 yards. Uh, I think, to me, Pierce, based off what I've heard and, and kind of what I've seen with the eye test, You've got a potential dude with Zach Evans if he can stay out of trouble for the TCU Horn Frogs. Uh, and, and, you know, kind of, you kind of knew it would be a down year for Baylor anyways with uh, them losing their coach and bringing in Dave Aranda. You shouldn't know what that would look like. But like I said, the ground game for TCU looks pretty good. Max Duggan was able to uh, take care of business. And, and like I said, Zach Evans, seven carries, 81 yards. He's going to be a potential dude in the future if you're TCU. Like I said, they get it done, uh, kind of cruise to a victory here with what is a uh, down-the-road rival, about 90, 90 miles away.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. So battered horn frog syndrome. I've heard, I know you've (laughs) heard that about many other programs that I'm
1: breaking up with TCU.
0: (laughs) That being said, um, you know, this was, this was an absolute blowout from TCU, but they failed to, to step on the throats of Baylor. And when you are in a rivalry like this, it's not only a, a rivalry, but also a game where you've experienced an, a a twenty point comeback victory in the final quarter of of this this game, you hate to see this comeback from Baylor. You just hated it. That being said, you know uh, TCU came out and shore up some things on the offensive line. You're right. The one interesting thing about Zach Evans and I and I, I mentioned this multiple times throughout the day. Man, I can't wait to see him. He's maybe the most talented player on this TCU team, which is saying a lot. Give him the ball, give him the ball, give him the ball, throw him the ball, throw him the ball, throw him the ball. ball. But you could tell he only knows about maybe 10%, 15% of this offense. So every time they gave him the ball, it was like, okay, it's had the same set. It's the same run. It's the same. It's everything's the same. So it worked two out of every five times, but you couldn't give it to him every time because the defense would know what was going on. Um, but TCU's offensive line played a lot better this uh, this weekend. Excited to see that. Their defense played well. Hated to see Baylor come back and, uh, you know, at least make it a little bit of a game uh, in the final quarter. That being said, TCU just came out, workmanlike effort. And, uh, yeah, waiting, been waiting for them to get some of these younger guys going, and uh, hopefully that progresses throughout the year.
1: The LSU Tigers, 11. The Auburn Tigers, 48. Bo Nix finally looked like he had a pretty dominant game there. Pierce, 300 yards through the air, 81 yards on the ground, four touchdowns between uh, running and throwing the ball. Uh, And LSU just turned the ball over three times, wasn't able to get many yards, wasn't able to stop anything. And, and, you know, it's just, like I said at the top, it's just going to be one of those... Things. If you're an LSU Tiger, you're just gonna have to sit around and hope that in a few years you're able to get it back together because it's not going to be in the foreseeable future. Not to say that it's all is lost. I don't think you go and clean shop or anything like that, but you just go, hey, that was a special special year. We're not a dynasty right now. We're not we're not Alabama, we're not Clemson. We're, we're we just had a really, really special year and I want to hold on to that forever if I'm an LSU Tiger fan. So Auburn, uh, dominant victory, not that I believe in Auburn in any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but like I said, good for Bo Nix. Uh, had, had finally had a game where you went, okay, I finally see why people were hyping him up. Uh, you know, for the past couple of years. So good for Auburn, uh, the Auburn Tigers, I should say.
0: Well, it's also funny because this is the type of game where, if you're an Auburn fan, you hate the fact that Bo Nix played well because you're like. This keeps him around for another sure. six games. If you were you advocating
1: know? for, Hey, sit the guy. Yeah. Now you go, well, yeah, dang, it's that's like, why he's it's yeah. like,
0: a, I mean, obviously you knew tanks, tank Bigsby was going to come out and play. Well, he had 15 uh, for 71 for 4.7. Two TDs. But that being said, it was the Bo show again. And they're just, you know, that Auburn and Chad Morris and company are trying to transition to, to throwing the ball a lot more and spreading the ball out. And, they just don't have the weapons on the outside, and that's crazy to say because they did dominate this LSU team. LSU, uh, you know, was hampered because of their freshman quarterbacks were just not able to get the job done, and, and they switched over to Johnson there um, in the third quarter. You know, at the end of the day, they just struggled to get anything going on the ground, and, and Auburn took advantage of that and, and had some timely, uh, timely touchdowns, and Bo Nicks did have a good game, so... Kudos to them. Happy to see Bo Nicks, uh, you know, have this game because I, I love playing Bo Nicks, So, you know, I don't yeah. know if you're happy if you're an Auburn fan. But that being said, good win for Auburn and uh, good win moving forward for the morale.
1: The Northwestern Wildcats 21, the Iowa Hawkeyes 20. Uh, despite the close score here, this looks like a sloppy, sloppy game. But th- what I want to highlight kind of here is if you're Iowa, you've now lost two games that you would expect to win. Uh, you've got Michigan State next week, and you should theoretically win that one, but you know what the performance they just put up against Michigan, who knows? Minnesota, that's probably a loss, uh, or could be. I don't know. Minnesota looks kind of crappy this year. Penn State could be a loss. Nebraska, hell, Nebraska could be a loss. It looks like, to me, Pierce, Iowa potentially could – the only game that they could probably pencil in as an automatic win is Illinois. Not great for the Hawkeyes, uh, if you're a Hawkeye fan and you're used to at least them putting, being a dominant – not dominant, but able to um, – Win at more games than that and in a year like 2020 where you're not having the non-conference games, that's just the way it's gonna look. It's gonna be one of those years we look back in ten years and we go remember when Iowa went one and eight or one and seven? Well yeah, but they they were all conference. so it's just it's just a weird year they're they're own two now on the season northwestern uh, improves to two and o uh, and I they, I don't really see them playing anybody that could potentially win except for Twa constant in a few weeks so. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things where it's 2020 is a weird year. Like I said, this game was pretty sloppy. Three turnovers for both teams. Uh, neither one was really blowing any one of the other, the other person out. Just, just kind of was Big Ten football for you.
0: Yeah, and I expected a little bit of regression uh, from Iowa and a little bit of uh, positive movement for Northwestern. They they struggled last year with some injuries and, but how Big Ten football is this. 273 yards total offense for Northwestern and 293 yards of total offense for Iowa. Oh, and, and the one team that, that has the higher total, they end up losing the game. I mean, how, how perfect is that? This game was uh, this game was typical big 10 football. I thought big, I thought Northwestern would come out and win because I thought they'd be a little bit better on, on defense. And they showed against Maryland that they were, um, they were clicking. They had something figured out a little bit more on offense Iowa did hand this game away. They were up big early on, um, but not surprised to see Northwestern come back. Keep this short because, admittedly, this wasn't one game I watched. I just knew this would be an ugly Big Ten game, and I had some other uh, other uh, big-time games on the slate. So, yeah, you look at it, and, and it was a very Big Ten-esque football game, and not surprised to see Northwestern come out and win.
1: Last but not least, the Virginia Tech Hokies 42, the Louisville Cardinals 35 Uh, Despite the fact that they put up almost 550 yards of offense there, Pierce, the Louisville Cardinals turned the ball over three times, had a fair amount of penalties, and uh, were not able to get it done versus the Virginia Tech Hokies. Uh, You know, you hate to see that kind of a thing. You you hate when you've got a a player like uh, McHale or or Malik. I can't remember what he's going by right now. Uh, Cunningham playing well. You hate to see him also have turned the ball over three times. Um, But Hendon Hooker, perfect. 10 for 10, 183 yards uh, Khalil Herbert uh, put up 147 yards on the ground as well, and uh, Virginia Tech gets it done versus Louisville. Uh, neither of these teams are anything to write home about necessarily, but uh, you know, you got to cover the games like that only because it could potentially write what the 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 picture towards the end of the year, uh, and also next year as well.
0: Yeah, you you hit it. Mikael Cunningham came out through for uh, over 350 yards of uh, offense and. You, know, you looked at the first two weeks of the season, the first few weeks of the season, and even though the uh, defense struggled, you thought this offense can put up points and hang. Obviously, they struggled against Miami to put up much. They lost to Louisville uh, or lost to Florida State not long after that. Um, but Mikhail Cunningham finally showed up here. 350 yards of offense, uh, 23 of 35 there limited uh you know limited on the ground rushing only had 47 yards did have three picks which you know he needs to shore up because his defense isn't great that being said they were able to do enough uh hawkins on the ground had 129 yards of rushing offense and virginia tech just just didn't put up much you know you look at hooker 10 of 10 which you know, was good 183 yards they they were able to get the thing going on the ground but you know they just struggled. Uh, they just struggled against this Louisville team, who, quite frankly, was just able to to get more going offensively and to get more opportunities. So, surprising, uh, surprising outcome. But also uh, the way Virginia Tech's been going the last few years, not surprising.
1: All right, that's going to do it for our preview or our recap, rather. I know we rifled through a bunch of games, but like I said, it was a pretty weak slate. So there was just uh, there was enough games to talk about. Uh, that wasn't overwhelming, but also, uh, you know, you couldn't really leave. And I was to... overwhelmed. Well, okay, that's fair. I, I let you carry a lot of that, <laughs> didn't I?
0: Whatever. No, you're good. You're good. I love it. I, I, I do. It was just, it was funny. Some of the games early on, I was rifling through going, man, did I cover this all the time? I was trying to, I was just trying to, you yeah, know how it Yeah, we some repeats
1: and stuff, but yeah. hey, whatever. We, we
0: usually bounce things off each other on Sunday and and that helps me get locked in. Well, man. and I'll
1: say this too, I'm usually pretty good at zeroing because peel the air uh, out of the onion, off the onion, whatever the metaphor is. Inside baseball, that's a better metaphor. Love uh, <laughs> I pick the games. I usually pick the top 10 games of the week uh, and, and I usually do a pretty good job hitting the nail on the head there, but I didn't foresee some of those, you know, potential, you know, Clemson almost, getting upset and things like that. So, And one of the games that I was most excited to talk about didn't happen because Wisconsin got COVID. So anyways, uh, you know, just a little bit of a longer recap for you guys. I'm going to overwhelm you even more, Pierce. Since you got to watch the games, I let you carry the Braggers of the Week. So when you are ready, go ahead and tell the people who our Braggers of the Week are. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal.
0: Damn! Got a handful here, folks, so stay, stay tuned. First off, Talia Taigavailoa. How about it? Tua's younger brother, 26-35, 394 yards through the air, three TDs, only one INT. He had, did have eight carries for 64 yards and two TDs. That's five total. Helped them upset the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Good on you, Tua. I'll say Tua, Talia. Uh, second off, same game. Maryland running back Jake Funk, twenty-one carries, two hundred sixteen yards, ten point three average. That's Studley, one touchdown on the ground, three receptions for twenty-two yards, and another touchdown, two total. Good on you, Jake Funk. Switching over, also in the uh, well, it used to be ACC. Uh, this is now the ACC. DJ Uyunglele. I, I said some that tough wrong. names there. I said you? that wrong. I know two attack. You know how funny is it when you get uh, Tonga Valoa and you get Uyiunga Lele? When you say it right, it just flows off the tongue. It feels great.
1: Uyiunga Lele.
0: Wow, you said that way too uh, cocky and, and and well. Yeah. No, Uyiunga Lele. Like u-
1: Hold on, that was a callback though. I thought you would appreciate that. That Uyi Lali Lali. Isn't that Uyi Lali Lali? Is that a golf thing?
0: Oh, I don't know. I thought you were doing that song.
1: Uyi mommy mommy. I don't even know what
0: that is. Oh well, I, I, I'm 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 aging myself here. Well, so, we that. DJ Uyangalele, 30 for 41, 342 through the air, two TD, zero interceptions, six carries, 25 yards, and a TD. You look at it, did they miss Trevor Lawrence? I don't know if they really did. Uh, good on you, Uyangalele. You got to say it slowly.
1: Uyangalele.
0: Uyangalele. Doesn't it sound great? Okay, I love just it.
1: Just keep, keep, keep going.
0: <laughs> fourth, uh, fourth player on the list, Devontae Smith. He had over 150 yards of uh, of receiving In the first quarter, I believe it was, he uh, he went eleven receptions, two hundred three yards, four TDs, absolutely dominated. It's very clear he is gonna gonna pick up where Waddle left off. Matt Corral also sticking to the SEC, thirty one to thirty four, absolutely unbelievable, unbelievable, four hundred twelve yards, six TDs, zero interceptions, six carries on the ground, twenty three yards. Matt Corral absolutely did his thing and also dished it off to Elijah Moore, fourteen receptions, two hundred thirty eight yards. Three TDs. This is a guy, Elijah Moore, I think you could look at him and go, this guy is unheralded. Maybe he should get a little bit of Heisman contention considering what he's been putting up. Um, sticking uh, sticking uh, through the air and and receiving-wise, Nick Starkle. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. San Jose State, 34-47 through the air, 467 yards of passing offense, five TDs, zero interceptions. Yes, San Jose State. I said it. Absolutely dominated Nick Starkle. Tylen Wallace, wide receiver Oklahoma State. Go pokes eleven receptions, 187 yards, and two TDs, and absolutely passed the eye test. Absolutely going up and dominating these cornerbacks for uh, for Texas. And I know they they might get picked on, but Tylen Wallace looked the part. Sticking uh, sticking with wide receivers or tight ends, Michigan State. Ricky White eight receptions for 196 yards and a touchdown. Absolutely looked the part there uh, and beating the bigger brother um, in Michigan. And then last but not least, Otis Anderson, UCF. 16 carries, uh, running back, 16 carries, 170 yards, 10.6 average, 1 TD. I know his counterp- counterpart, Greg McRae, also had a great game. But when you got two running backs like this. He got to take the better of the two. This week it was Otis Anderson. Those are my braggers of the week. Look for him to do the same next.
1: There you go. That's our briars for the week. That's our recap of the week. We even took you through our good or bad and our uglies. We've got a full slate of games. It's going to be a long one for week ten. I predict. I don't know. We'll see. It could be short. Sometimes I'm fired I up. sometimes I go into it and I think, well, it's going to be a long one, and we go really quick. Sometimes I think, well, we got a lot to cover here, and we go, you know, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. Point I thought is, we were going to have like two happening.
0: games to pick this week, and we covered like sixteen.
1: Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Who knows what's going to happen here, folks? The best thing you can do is be subscribed so you're not missing out on any of the episodes, any of the goodness. We are uh, constantly looking for ways to try to provide something that you not, you're not you not getting with other podcasts. So let us know if there's anything that you really would like to see from us. Uh, if you don't know how to reach out, bragging Pod is a good place to do it, bragging without the G, on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, and like I said, that's in your show notes as well. So that's going to do it for this episode of the bragging rights podcast. All right. Before we leave the people, Pierce, overreactions in five words or less. Mine is Kirby won't ever win Natty.
0: Boy, I'm just happy to keep this uh, five words or less. I'm not going to lie this week
1: with the biggest windup ever for five words or less.
0: Keep in mind, people, this is an overreaction. Uyunga Lele is better Then Lawrence.
1: Ooh, there you go. Those are the hot takes we're serving here at the Bragging Rights Podcast. That's going to do it for us. I'm Madison.
0: And I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all.